Welcome back into Believe in the Wolfpack. I'm your host, Luke Nichols. Gonna get into some men's basketball today, women's basketball today. Gonna get right into it, as always. And then later, uh, you'll never guess I was wrong about something in college football. I was pretty sure Dan Lanning was gonna be the head coach for Alabama. Uh, he decided to stay with Oregon in a strong statement, in a recruiting statement, it seemed like. I uh, posted a video on Twitter. But he's not the head coach. We'll get to that later. But like I said, I'm going to start with men's basketball because they had a big, eh, maybe not big, actually, I shouldn't say that, but they had a nice, they had a nice bounce back win over Louisville this past Saturday. They won 89 to 83. Uh, the story of this game to me was the stupid turnovers and DJ Horn coming off the bench. The stupid turnovers, we had 15 turnovers, nine of them from starters. Marcel had three. Uh, O'Connell had three, and Dennis Parker Jr. had three. I mean, my God, what are we doing? And then DJ Horn off the bench, he had three. Well, off the bench, you know, take that with a grain of salt because he played 35 minutes. <laughs> That's the, the most on the team. O'Connell is right behind him. He played 31. But, I mean, especially in the first half, and early in the second half, I want to say, where, you know, we had a nice lead and then it's like you string together a few really bad turnovers and dumb possessions that almost maybe a turnover would have been better. Um, and you're just like, what are they What are they doing? Why are they keeping Louisville in this game? Because Louisville, yeah, it's an 89-83 win. You shot the lights out 54% from the field, 50% from three, 88% from the free throw line. That's a great game numbers wise but Louisville is six and ten one and four in conference play now that's not a good team to let up 83 points to Louisville is defensively that's not something to really you know be proud of you're not going back to the locker room saying like oh wow our defense was really on it today you're saying hey our offense kind of saved us that game putting up 89 points I mean, because Louisville, they shot great as well. 47% from the field, 53% from three, and 76% from the line. The fact that they made less and took less threes and then were worse from the free throw line, even though they shot more free throws, is the reason that you won this game. They're 19 to 25 from the free throw line. And they even got 14 points from Johnson and 15 from Williams off the bench. I mean, it was not the best defensive game. I really thought after, you know, the first half, they you know, we jumped out to a decent lead, kind of felt like it was going to be a nice kind of cruise to a win, pull away in the second half. But towards the end of the first half, right before halftime, kind of let them crawl back into it. And it, it just... No, no. And then even to start the second half, they went on, I think, like a 6 to nothing, 8 to nothing run. And there was one instance where they got a bucket and you're thinking, all right, you got to call a timeout here. You should definitely call a timeout here. It's kind of ugly. Nobody, nobody looks good. Defense looks bad. Offense looks worse almost. Um, but Keats let him play. Missed a shot on the other end, on the offensive end. And then give up a bucket right then, right after. <laughs> and, then, and then he calls a timeout. You got to call that timeout earlier. You have to call that timeout, the possession before. Don't even worry about the offensive possession. Because then you can at least 
every time a coach calls a timeout after the defense has been playing poorly and you start with the ball, and even just you get the ball out of the timeout, you absolutely have to score after that. You have to get a bucket coming off of your own timeout and you start with the ball. So I think that would have been a good spot to just stop the bleeding, really, you know, try to try to halt their momentum and just come out and with a good action, you know, set play, everyone's under the everyone is focused, everyone understands what they have to do and whatnot, but I, whatever. I mean, I didn't like the decision to not call timeout, but you won the game in the end. Mo Diara had a pretty solid game off the bench. He had seven points, a block, and 11 total rebounds, but did have four personal fouls. Uh, Middlebrooks ended up fouling out. But DJ Horn coming off the bench, he was nine for 14 from the field, six of nine from deep, and with 27 points and two steals. Pretty solid. Um, that's a great game. For, that's an incredible game, but I don't think he should continue to come off the bench. Even if it is... You know, he doesn't immediately start the game, but maybe it just messes with the rotations. I still think you want him starting and playing with the starters for the most part. Because, I mean, even with this big offensive game, the starters, not the best overall. O'Connell, he played 31 minutes. He actually played pretty well. He made a lot of smart decisions, and he was 3-for-3 three three from deep, so that was... You know, most of the re- he had 11 points and six assists, but he's mostly going to be in there to distribute the ball, to just, you know, set up actions for guys and be a playmaker. Uh, Dennis Parker with eight points, only took three shots and played 21 minutes. Jaden Taylor, four points. Marcel, 14 or 13 points. And then DJ Burns with 13. So I still want DJ Horn in the game just to play with the rest of those guys, but I'm liking what I'm seeing from uh, O'Connell. I feel like he started off kind of slow. Let me see what his numbers were earlier on in the years. So the transfer, obviously, but no, nah, I mean, I guess. No, yeah, okay. So, yeah, Michael Mike O'Connell started off the year playing like eh, 17, 20 minutes here and there, 14, 13 minutes, only four minutes against Tennessee, 18 minutes. But really ever since the, what was that, the St. Louis game where we won 82 to 70, he's been playing at least 20 minutes a game. Yeah, he's just wow. Yeah, he's really been a great distributor. And I'm looking at it just on his game log. I knew that he was, but just kind of seeing it, I guess, on paper or on screen, uh, actually really shows how good of a passer he is. He's had five assists. This is just in the last, what is this, last, I think, seven or eight games. Five assists, six, only one against Notre Dame, but I mean, nobody could make a shot that game. So that's, that's an anomaly. Uh, five assists against Virginia, two against North Carolina, and six against Louisville. So he's in there. He's going to distribute the ball. He's going to get guys open. He's going to set up guys to make big shots. So I wouldn't mind seeing him uh, play alongside DJ Horn, but for the most part, I think you got to flip uh, Mike O'Connell and DJ Horn again. Just, you know, get DJ Horn starting. He needs to be starting. Even for, you know, the mental aspect of it. Yeah, guys can say all they want. I don't care where I you know, start the game on the bench, starting whatever, as long as I'm in and contributing. And if it's helping the team, yeah, blah, 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 whatever. He can say that all he wants. And he's going to, he's a good teammate for saying that if he does and any teammate is, but I think everybody can agree just for personal reasons and the mentals, like I said, uh, starting, being a starter and then moving to the bench isn't the best thing for him. I just recently watched, um, 
interviewer forget who was i think maxi was he talking to shams no but it was tyrese maxi from the sixers and he was talking about how getting moved to the bench uh last year when rivers was the coach it really kind of messed with him and he was like talking to his mom every day just trying to get through it just trying to you know be better and just get back to that starting role and now this year he's most likely going to be an all-star because he's been starting not many guys are going to say like, Hey, yeah, moving to the bench after being a starter, it really kind of messed with me. It really kind of, you know, put me in a bad spot, made me second guess myself, but he came out and said it. And I imagine he's not the only one who uh, felt that way. Even guys who are, you know, aging veterans in college or the NBA who have to move to the bench like Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony, and maybe soon James Harden, uh, like, those guys, especially Carmelo and Russ, they took a while to really adapt to a bench player coming off the bench guy a six man role for a little bit. But back to the rest of the college, the men's college basketball world, a ton of upsets, a ton of movement in the top twenty five that just dropped as I'm recording this Monday afternoon. Happy MLK Day, by the way. Or if you're listening on Tuesday, happy bladed MLK Day. Uh, Purdue ended up beating Penn State, so nothing for them, even though they already lost earlier in the week. But TCU beat Houston and gave Houston their second loss of the year, along with their second loss of the week. They were undefeated until just this past week. Kansas snuck one out against Oklahoma. That's a big win for them, just to not get upset and uh, stay alive. Hunter Dickinson is putting up. Huge games, night in and uh, night in and out. I feel like I messed up that phrase, but whatever. We're gonna move past it. He had twenty four points, fourteen rebounds, and five blocks. That's unbelievable. And then Texas A and M beat Kentucky in overtime. Kentucky had a lot of chances to win that game. I feel like they had a decent chance to win it at the end of regulation, but they just couldn't hit the shot. Antonio Reeves still played pretty well for them with twenty two points. But that is their third loss of the year. First loss in conference. Washington State took down Arizona. Arizona was on fire to start the year. They beat Duke early on and 3-2 and two in the Pac-12 with four total losses now. Not looking too good. Duke actually ended up winning. Wisconsin won. Uh, BYU won. There was one more. Yeah, New Mexico beat San Diego State by eight. New Mexico, unranked, took down number 19, San Diego State. Clemson ended up winning. They needed that one after a pair of losses earlier. Um, And then Texas lost. But that brings me to the movement in the AP poll. Just a ton. We have a new number one. UConn is the new number one. They move up three spots. I kind of expected that uh, since Purdue lost. Uh, Did Kansas lose this week? Yeah, Kansas, I think, lost this week. Houston lost two games. Tennessee lost. Kentucky just lost. Yeah, Kansas did lose. I I was talking about that last show. Whatever. Um, Yeah, Purdue is number two. Kansas stays at three. North Carolina moves up after demolishing Syracuse yesterday and beating NC State, whatever. They move up to fourth. They moved up three spots. But I think... Like I said in the last episode, them winning uh, and just not being upset plays more of a factor because of all the other teams just just losing. Just the top teams are losing all this week. Tennessee only dropped down one spot 
after their loss to Mississippi State. Houston dropped three spots. They're at five now. Duke moved up four spots. They're seventh. Kentucky dropped two spots. They're eighth. Baylor moved up five spots to ninth. Memphis moved up three spots to tenth. Wisconsin moved up four spots. Arizona dropped four spots. Auburn, there's it's ridiculous. Everybody's moving from from nine to eighteen. Nine teams either moved up or down at least three spots in the rankings. Illinois just lost to Maryland. They moved down four spots. Oklahoma, their loss to Kansas, they moved down six spots. Utah State moved up four spots. Marquette dropped six spots. Creighton moved up four. This is just in between that, you know, intermediate area in the rankings. This is a ton of movement. This is a – it's ridiculous. NC State is still getting a few votes. They got eight votes to be in the top 25. They just got to keep winning. And if they can start winning some games convincingly, uh, that's going to help their case. But they still have a lot of work to do in my mind and in uh, the voters' mind. There were five teams that dropped. No, four teams. I can't read. There were four teams that dropped from the rankings. Colorado State, Gonzaga, Clemson dropped, and FAU. But yeah, if you look at it, Oh my God. Nearly the only team that didn't. Oh, wait, no. This is the. What do you people was I looking at? This one had. Huh. That's actually weird. On, you know, the AP website that I'm looking at right now, they have Kansas third. But on ESPN, they have Kansas fourth and North Carolina third. And they also have Duke sixth, and ESPN has Duke sixth, and AP has Duke seventh. That's weird. I'm going to go off the AP Associated Press where ESPN gets this from because it just dropped. And it says, yeah, released January 15th. All voters we go up. Weird. I'm going to go off the AP. Regardless, if you look on the AP website, the only team, the only teams that didn't move was Iowa State, Texas Tech, Ole Miss, Dayton, and Kansas. Everybody else had some kind of movement and major movement at that ton of st- <laughs> yeah. Men's basketball was ridiculous this week. Not as ridiculous. I mean, the women's women's games were not as crazy and ridiculous. Uh, luckily, the NC State women's team bounced back in a huge way. Crushed Virginia 93 93- to 66 I mean it was yeah it was just complete demolition nearly nearly pardon me the entire starting five in double figures the only one not in double figures was Sanaya Rivers who had seven assists so that'll play uh Mimi Collins 14 points Zoe Brooks 19 points uh, Zaya James 15 points Hayes 17 points I mean yeah the the entire the entire starting five just played great. As a team, they shot 48% from the field, 43% from three, which we'll take. Lacey Steele had 13 points off the bench. It's an incredible game. It's a game that you needed to win. Just get it out of the way. You don't have to worry about it. And just hope that some other teams can beat themselves up <laughs> as, as, uh, as the weeks go on. Because that's exactly what happened. Florida State and Virginia Tech played Sunday, which was yesterday. 
and Florida State won 89 to 81. It was at Florida State, so probably a, a big disadvantage for Virginia Tech. I don't remember who was favored in that game, but Florida State did pull out the win and they moved up six spots in the new women's AP poll. Virginia Tech dropped three spots and they are now, Virginia Tech is now 14th and Florida State is now 15th, which. If I was a Florida State fan, I'd be a little bit annoyed because it's like we just beat them and now we're one spot behind them. Florida State does have one more loss than Virginia Tech, so it's kind of valid. But at the same time, if you just look at it on a game-by-game basis, it's like, what are we doing here? (laughs) Which actually, I didn't want to get too into the last game just because for NC State, just because it's like, all right, we kind of expected to win that game. Why not? Like, kind of had to, especially after – uh, uh, losing to losing the last game. See, I still Virginia Tech because played Florida State and Virginia Tech back to back, so I still get confused on which is which <laughs> that we lost to. But yeah, you just lost to Virginia Tech, so you beat Virginia. But it's still ridiculous to me because UCLA lost this week. They dropped to fifth. They were second. How is Colorado still ahead of NC State? Beat them by eighteen a month or two ago by now. And we're still one st- one st- one spot. Jesus, one spot behind them. Really couldn't get that out. But Iowa's two. South Carolina's staying at one. But it's ridiculous. How is Colorado still above? We have the same record. Haven't. Whatever. We're fourth now in the AP poll. Moved up two spots uh, since UCLA lost. And not as much. Well, Baylor actually dropped eight spots. They just lost to Iowa State. That's a big drop-off for them. Still a ton of movement in the women's AP poll, but not as drastic as the men's, I think. Uh, the next game, next two games really, should be relatively easy. Now, again, conference games, they, you know you can never pencil them in as easy. But the next one against Miami and Duke, both kind of middle of the pack in the ACC. Duke is 3-2 and two in conference play. Uh, what is that? Eleven and five overall. Miami is one and four in conference play, and eleven and five overall. So I'm really just hoping for back to back just <laughs> stoppings. <laughs> uh, that Miami game is what is that Thursday, sixteen seventh? Yeah, that's Thursday at six o'clock. And then the men's team, <clears throat> pardon me, their next game. What? me find it here i believe it's tomorrow i believe it's the 16th yeah they play wake forest tomorrow at seven o'clock wake forest they they've been pretty solid this year they're 12 and four four and one in conference so that's going to be a tough game that is a home game so that's going to be nice but if you can win that wake forest game that'll be you know it's not a top 25 win but being you know they're a top tier team in the ACC as it from the literal standings, that should be a good win if you could pull it off. So going to take a short break. When we come back, going to get into a quick little uh, college football talk about the new Alabama head coach and why I don't have any expectations for him. <laughs> Welcome back in. Going to get to some college football. And just so we're clear, I am wearing a shirt. It's a Pop-Tart Bowl crew neck. As you can see here, although we lost the game, whatever, you could, you think of the entertainment more than you think of the game itself. So, whatever, it was hilarious. I do hope that it is one of the college football playoff games next year. I don't 
actually forget if they're going to do away with the bowl names and the bowl games technically uh, for the college football playoff since it's going to be 12 teams. So you just have more games and more bowl games. So I don't I don't think they're going to get rid of the names, but I forget, honestly. I don't think they are. I hope they don't because it would just be hilarious being like the <laughs> – have the pinstripe bowl i think i think it's still the pinstripe bowl or just the worst names as a bowl game and just good just just keep the bowl games get the hijinks going again it'll be great but into kalen DeBoer. i keep forgetting his first name but kalen seems like a weird first name but whatever kalen DeBoer, new alabama football head coach and like i said i have zero expectations for him you may be thinking why do you have zero expectations their team is still great they only lost Isaiah Bond and one recruit, I think, in 2025. Their team's still going to be amazing. Yes, I get it. Their 2024 recruiting class is still unbelievable. They still have the two five-star recruits. They still have the quarterback coming in that I need to find his name because I'm going to – Julian Sayan. I've had it in my head the entire time. They still have Julian Sayan, one of the top quarterbacks in this class. I think he's the third in this class. So you have him, you'll probably sit, maybe not sit, but you'll probably have him behind uh, Milrow or whoever starts next year. Maybe maybe he starts. I don't think so. It's kind of rare to see a true freshman come in and start and have major success, um, unless you're Johnny Manziel. But um, I don't think he starts. I think they'll wait a year for him. But even outside of that, coming in after Nick Saban, is impossible to live up to what do you what are you gonna do it's like being the first guard or it's like being the first guard to play for the bulls after michael jordan it's like being the first team after michael jordan left for the bulls how are you gonna live up to that it's the same thing with belichick like jared mayo the new head coach for the patriots do i think he's gonna be a good head coach i have no idea because i have no expectations for him because he's replacing a guy who won you six super bowls He's probably going to be under a ton of criticism. He's probably going to be constantly in the media being talked about if he can get it done or not because they're just so used to winning Super Bowls that it's like, how do you continue that? This is the same thing with DeBoer. Alabama is so used to just being in the SEC championship, being in the national championship, winning both of those games. How is he going to continue that? It's nearly an impossible ask. If he can have half the career that Saban had at Alabama, he should be considered one of the best coaches of all time and probably will be. I mean, already, the jumps that he's made to be the Alabama head coach. Now, four years ago, he was the head coach at Fresno State. That's awesome. You go to Fresno State to Washington to Alabama in four years. That is incredible. Credit him. So that alone makes me just, you know, obviously I'm not number one Alabama fan here, but, and I don't hate Kalen DeBoer for any reason yet. So seeing his path go from Fresno State to Alabama as a head coach within four years, that's incredible. Credit to him. That's awesome. Um, I'm surprised Dan Lanning did not take the job. I guess he's that committed and loves Oregon that much. So, Good for him. I thought that was a strong statement uh, to put out that video, which, like I said, was kind of a recruiting tactic as well. Um, I, if he's not going to take the Alabama job, 
I don't know if he ever leaves Oregon unless he's fired. What other job would you want? It's like this and Georgia are, and maybe Ohio State. This Georgia and Ohio State are like the jobs if you want to be a college football head coach. And he had the opportunity. He was the first one to have the opportunity. But again, DeBoer, I do think Alabama is going to take a step back. Uh, just because new year, new regime, it's going to be somewhat of a different offense. It's going to be a different team. It's going to have a different kind of vibe and a different kind of energy around the facility and the stadium and the fans and everything. And that's what I hope Alabama fans can remember that if you don't make the SEC championship this year, that is okay. You're probably still going to be top 25 year year long a year long top 25 team probably top 15 just because of the talent that you have and again this year's team wasn't the most talented Alabama team and they still made the playoff is it because of Saban largely probably but it's still the least talented Alabama team is one of the most talented college football teams year in and year out it does not matter they're always going to be top three top five in talent and just recruits and athletes it doesn't matter it could be a bunch of four stars they're going to be the most talented they're always going to be up there um and Kalen that is Kalen DeBoer's biggest challenge is continuing that kind of streak of Alabama just always having guys just always being a powerhouse he's got to continue to recruit just like Saban did but obviously Saban was probably the greatest recruiter of all time Probably. I mean, in recent memory, absolutely, by far. But I don't know if there's ever been uh, a time where it feels like 50% of the top-tier talent in the NFL has come from Alabama. So he not only recruits these guys, but he develops them so they succeed at a higher level. I can't imagine how many Alabama players in the NFL and how many Alabama players – from the team on the team used to play for the team saw the news and tried to reach out to him tried to say something oh my god he probably got flooded thousands and thousands of messages probably just from former former players and staff members I can't I can't imagine but again back to DeBoer if Alabama stays within the top 25 this year that is a successful year you cannot have high expectations for this team you cannot have championship aspirations and dreams for this team it's an entire it's your first new head coach in years after you had the most one of the most successful runs in college football for 10 plus years so I just hope that the media and Alabama fans alike don't hop on Kalen DeBoer after you know one of once once he loses a game next year now if Kalen DeBoer wins a championship next year and they look better they look incredible, then then I'll be annoyed. Then I'll be mad because it's like we can't even get a year without Alabama being in the top five. Like, come on. So part of me is hoping that we get a break. (laughs) But even then, with the 12 team, they could still make the playoffs. So who knows, truly. Um, But again, Kalen DeBoer, new head coach at Alabama. Not Dan Lanning, not Lane Kiffin, and not James Franklin, and not D'Amico Ryans. (laughs) After that beatdown he put on the Browns, he ain't leaving. Come on. <laughs> ah, it's still funny to me. But Kalen DeBoer, new Alabama head coach. Good luck to him. Everybody keep your expectations low for him, please. I beg of you, keep the expectations low. 
But for NC State, you never know. Get, me, get those expectations out. I'm still, I'm still excited. I'm still excited for football season already. And it's January. Whatever. I got to contain myself. I should keep my expectations low for the Wolfpack. But whatever. It's fun to dream. It's fun to dream. So that's going to conclude this 13th episode of Believe in the Wolfpack. Thank you for tuning in. See you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.